everyone. Thanks for checking out this podcast. I hope today's conversation inspires you and builds your faith for the moment you are in right now. Know that God's love for you truly changes everything. Enjoy the message. Amen. Good morning, church. We are so glad that you are here today. And uh, as we get started, let's start with the question. Uh, voici la question. Here it is. Are you ready to study God's word today? Come on, folks. That's why we're here, to lift him up and then to feed on his word, to shape and direct our lives. And as we continue today, we're in this series called Toxic, How to Win in a Toxic World. And I think we're going to see something powerful here today in Colossians chapter 3. So here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to go ahead and get out your phone for two reasons. Some of you might want to look up Colossians 3 in just a minute because we're going to go down and study it verse by verse by verse. But before we do, I also want to highlight something. A couple of months ago, we would have like 80 to 100 people who shared the service every Sunday to, to spread the good news. And like this Sunday, what happens is we come, we sit here, and then we forget about all the people who need to hear the message today from God's word. And so if, I'm going to ask you right now if you would go ahead. I, I promise you, you'll catch up if you miss a minute here at the beginning. And you go on YouTube or Facebook or whatever works for you, and would you share and invite somebody live right now because I think that there is somebody out there who, who God wants to speak to them about, some, about one of the reasons that they are stuck and not making forward progress in their lives spiritually. I think that's what we're going to see today here in Colossians chapter 3. Because as we, as we study today and, and we're in this series, how to win in a toxic world, because we know that the world that we live in is constantly at battle, is it not? You know, over the last few weeks, uh, as, as Jim mentioned in his prayer earlier, we've just, we've wrestled as we watch the news and grieved with indigenous people when it, when it comes to the, the history and the pain that's been experienced there. We, 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 we watched in horror last week as, as a Muslim family was killed on the sidewalk in London, Ontario. We watch as there's political fighting and, and battles around the world about so many different things. In fact, this week in the United States, they celebrated what's called Juneteenth. If you don't know what that is, you can look it up later. But Juneteenth is about freedom from slavery following the, the American Civil War. And so I was thinking about that this week. I was thinking about the Civil War in the 1860s and how that was the bloodiest time in the history of this North American continent upon which we live. And, and what is a civil war? What is it that makes that so horrible? And, and, and here's what it is. It means that there is no outside enemy. You see, the, the great tragedy of a civil war is that all of the fighting is internal. 
And some of you know what that's like, maybe in a, in a business that you worked in, maybe you were in a particular organization where all the time there was, there was infighting and, and backstabbing. For, for sometimes it'll happen in, in sports teams that you've been part of, or, or in marriages, or in families and, and churches, this internal fighting. And Jesus made the definitive statement about what happens with this kind of internal conflict. Matthew 12, verse 25, Jesus said, a house divided against itself will not stand. And how many of you have seen that to be true? A house divided against itself will eventually fall. And here's what we're going to see today. That is also true in your own spirit. You, you see, when, when you are, are wrestling with internal conflicts over what your values and priorities will be, you cannot thrive as a being in your soul. And so today we're going to go down verse by verse in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to begin uh, in verse 1 and get down to about verse 10, where Paul talks about this internal conflict that we go through. So I wonder if you'd help me out. Uh, let's, let's read this, these first two verses together out loud, wherever you are at home right now, or maybe you're at a campsite somewhere with us online right now. Would you just read this out loud together? Here we go. First, uh, Colossians 3 verse 1 and 2 says... Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, now as we leave this on the screen, I want you to notice two things here, two phrases. It says we need to set our hearts on things above. And then it says we need to do what? We need to set our our minds on things above. And don't miss this. I think this is one of the most profound revelations in scripture. The Bible is saying that one of the greatest reasons that we, we struggle and don't make progress in our lives is when there is a conflict between what our heart tells us to do, the heart being our feelings and, and, and desires and attractions and emotions, and what our mind tells us to do. The mind being our intellect and, and thought life and belief system. And I think if you look at our world today and so many of the struggles that people go through in our culture, I think a great part of it is because of this division, this divide between what we know in our heads but what we feel in our hearts. And what that results in, the Bible says that our heart is naturally deceitful and will try to lead us away from God. Psalm 86 verse 11 says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me a what? Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. See, here's what I want you to get today. A divided heart leads to toxic results in your life. In Isaiah 29, 13, 
The Lord says, these people, they come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And I think the reason that many of us never grow into the freedom and the joy and and the beauty and the holiness that God wants for our lives is because of this reason, this, this divided heart. I'll never forget when I learned of what had happened with a a pastor friend of mine, Uh, an amazing man of God who who led an amazing church, a a large church with almost 4,000 people in attendance every Sunday. He was a faithful leader, a faithful pastor. In fact, years ago, he called me and tried to, to, to recruit me to come work at his church. And I was honored. And I, I ended up not accepting that job, but, but I was just honored that this amazing man at this amazing church would actually want to work with me. And so I'll never forget the day that I learned that he had to step down from his church because of moral failure. He failed his marriage. He failed his family. He failed his church. And he was only a couple of years from retirement. And I wonder, how could that happen? What went wrong after decades of of being a faithful leader, a faithful father, a faithful pastor, a faithful husband, and then to get so near to the end and drop the ball? And it's heartbreaking, isn't it? You know, like you see it too, right? You've had people that you look up to spiritually. You've seen great pastors, great leaders, maybe, maybe somebody in your family that you had so much respect for as a man of God or as a woman of God. And then one day, all of a sudden, you find out that things are not as they appeared to be. And why does that happen? I've struggled with that question. And here's what I think is the reason. This is where failure starts. Somewhere along the line, the heart becomes divided. And at first, nobody notices it. At first, it just seems like a little thing. You know, there's just this this one little area of indulgence. And it's okay. Nobody needs to know. and, and, And it doesn't seem like that big a deal. And then it's just one more thing. And then just, just one more thing. And the Bible says that our heart becomes increasingly deceitful. And before we know it, we, we've started to follow our feelings rather than our faith. And we end up in toxic places we never intended to go. I know people who want to be happily married. They want to be a good husband, want to be a good wife. They love their spouse, but They also want to be able to spend time with that person at work who kind of makes them feel special. And it's innocent, don't tell me what to do, you know. But but deep down, you know you get that little bit of a thrill when you're around that person. Or, 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 Or it should be okay that I communicate with this person online. Now, I don't want my spouse to know about it. That would be embarrassing, they'd be a little upset, but I but I think it's okay. It's innocent at first. 
But you see, a divided heart leads to the destruction of a marriage. I know people who want to be financially secure. They want to be generous. They want to give to others and to the mission of God's kingdom, but, but they also want to be able to keep up with the neighbors and go into debt and do the same thing that everybody else does in our culture. I know people who want to be spiritually powerful and, and have the joy of the Lord. We want all these promises from God's word to be true in our lives, but we also want to be independent and follow our own ways and our own desires. And in Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said, listen, you cannot serve two masters. And that is where toxicity begins in our lives when we want to follow Jesus, but we also want to be able to hold on to this, this other stuff. And so how do we win this battle? Let's get back to our main passage, Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2. Paul tells us how to win this civil war. He says, set your hearts on things above rather than the things of this world and set your mind on things above rather than the things of this world. And then in the next verse, he tells us how to do that. Look at verse 3 and 4. He says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And then look at that middle line. Everybody say it with me. When Christ who is your life, say it with me. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When Christ who is your, is your what? Shout it out. I want, don't, don't let that mask hold you back. Here we go. When Christ who is your life. Come on now. I love music, but music is not my life. I love football, but, but football is not my life. I love motorcycles, but motorcycles are not my life. I love chocolate, but, but chocolate, I'm working on that one. And you, you see, your, your priorities, what you wrap your life around will determine the quality of your life. Let me say that again, don't miss this. Your priorities will determine the quality of your life. And here's what we find so often to be true, that people who have their priorities in order tend to have their lives in order. In other words, people who have strong marriages are happily married because they made it their priority. People who look like Arnold Schwarzenegger or like Joel Gorvette, it's because they made it a, a priority, right? When, 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 when people are amazing musicians like this who can play instruments and you're like, oh, how could they do that? It's because they made it their priority. You've heard me say it before and I'll, I'll say it again and again it's because it's just one of the most amazing stories where, where someone, after listening to a concert pianist, play these amazing classical pieces and afterwards they came up and, and they said to this professional musician, they said, I would give my life to play the piano like you. And the musician looked back and said, I have. See, it doesn't just happen by accident. It, it was a priority. And so the question is, what is your priority today? And verse four says, Christ needs to be my life. 
my number one priority, not just a church. It's like not just a church thing. It's in every area of my life. And so what does it say next? Verse five continues. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And so it starts out with the heavy stuff here. It says sexual immorality. And maybe you say, well, well, that's not me, Joel. I, I, you know, I've never been unfaithful to my spouse or I don't do sex outside of marriage. And, but, but what about, what about lust? According to Jesus, even looking at another person with sexual thoughts is, is lust. Evil desires. Do you ever have those little thoughts that you know you shouldn't have. Greed. Oh, that's what our culture is based on, is it not? Now, maybe you, you made it through that list pretty well and you say, well, Joel, none of those are my thing. Good for you. Guess what? We're not done yet. Skip down to verse eight. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the what? On the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. And so the, 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 the point here is that all sin is destructive. It's not just the stuff that people classify as kind of like, you know, the, the, the big ones like sexual immorality and sin and, and murder and violence, you know, the stuff thing that people think are the big stuff. But it's also stuff like losing your temper or, or saying mean and hateful things. Slander is when you say things about people that you're not 100% sure about. And we, we think we're sure, but we go ahead and say it anyway, even though, you know, do we really, really know? That's slander. Or talking behind someone's back or, or not being truthful. And so here in Colossians 3, it points to another reason that we're not moving forward in our lives. Look back at verse 7 and 8. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things. Colossians says you have to be willing to give up the things of the past. See, one of, one of the most toxic things we can do is not be willing to let go of the past. I know of a guy named Mark. Uh, Mark was, a, was kind of a party guy. He, 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 he in, in university, was part of a fraternity and they would get drunk and, and do all the stuff that they thought was cool. And, and, and after university, Mark became a follower of Jesus. And, and his life was transformed in so many different ways and he began to plug into a church. But secretly, he still struggled with alcohol abuse. And so one day he sat down with a pastor and as they were talking, he admitted something. He said, you know, I, I think back to my university days and, and I know that a lot of the stuff that we did was just plain bad and sinful. He said, but, 
But you know, we had so much fun and we had so much camaraderie and friendship. Like those in many ways were some of the best days of my life. And he said, he said, some days I just wish that I could go back and get rip roaring drunk with the guys just one more time. And all of a sudden you realize, well, it's no wonder that he's struggling with alcohol today because listen, when we continue to romance the past, we will never be able to press on to the promise of the future. Oh, come on now. And Colossians 3, 7 says, you used to walk in those ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things. Whenever you get hung up on the past, you need to start declaring over yourself and say, that's not who I am anymore. That's the old me. I am a new creation in Christ. The old has gone. The new has come. The new me has new goals and new values and new priorities with Christ at the center of my life because folks, that's where we find walking in freedom become a reality when our heart and our mind is in alignment with God's will for our lives. First John 5 verse 14 says, if we ask anything according to his will, let's read this together. First John 5 14, read it out loud with me. It says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Isn't that cool? I mean, people love this verse. It says, whatever you ask, God will give it to you. But there's a qualification, is there not? It says, if we ask anything, what? According to his will according to his will. And so let me ask you, what do you think God's will is for your life? Do you, do you think God wants you to struggle with inner, this inner conflict? Do you think God wants you to be defeated and discouraged? No, of course not. According to God's will, he wants you to find peace and joy and contentment. And so in Colossians 3 today, we see that in order to get there, it shows us three things that we have to make Christ our life. All of my plans, all of my priorities, all of my purposes need to be in alignment with, with his will. And to do that, number two, I have to confess my sin. Anything that I am holding on to that is holding me back from God's will. And then... Colossians reminds us that some of the stuff that's holding me back are things from the past that I have not let go of, things that I'm holding on to, and because I'm holding on to them, they're holding on to me and holding me back from pressing on to what God promises for me. And so maybe you're here today and maybe you've carried some secrets Maybe, maybe you've had an affair. Maybe you're addicted to pornography or to alcohol or drugs. 
Maybe you've had a bad attitude about someone or a bad attitude about something. And maybe God wants to speak to you about it today because it's been holding you back. You have a divided heart. Maybe God is showing you that some of your priorities have been out of line. You've, you've spent too much time and, and energy and, and money on the wrong things. Maybe, maybe you've stolen from your work or taken advantage of somebody. Or, or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's not even something that you did. Maybe it's something that someone else did to you. You were abused or cheated on. Someone stole from you or lied about you. And you've held on to it for all these years, all these years. You've, wherever you go, it's, it's continued to follow you. It still has a hold on you. And it's created this, this divided heart where you can't move forward because you're stuck in the past. You, you, you're trying to serve God. You've been trying so hard. But you've still been holding on to this, this stuff. And Colossians 3 says, it's time to give it to Jesus. That's the only way to find peace. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to spend a few moments of, of quiet time. So you might want to make sure that your cell phone's turned off or that your any distractions can be put out of the way as we start to just kind of have a quiet time here in this room and the, the musicians are just going to play for a few minutes. And let God speak to you. And after that quiet time, then I'm, I'm going to come back and pray. We're going to pray together. We're going to release it. We're going to give it to God and find freedom today. This is, listen, this is going to be a breakthrough day for some of you. But you need to listen to what God has to say to you. Open your heart. Open your ears. And allow the Spirit of God to minister to you in this quiet moment as he meets you here. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about Moncton Wesleyan, we invite you to visit our website at mw.church. We are here to help you with any questions you might have. See you next time.